Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. This morning, we are so excited to be able to, to present to you a Mother's Day panel of some incredible mamas in our congregation and some that are guests. But, uh, we're, you know, I, I just was thinking critically about Mother's Day. The best way we can honor mothers is to show how the gospel has influenced motherhood. The best way we know how to honor mothers is to show how the gospel brings about change and transformation in our hearts. And so today you're going to get to hear some stories from personal people in our congregation. I want us to put our hands together so ladies come join me up on stage. All right, come on. Can you just welcome them as they come? So I want to take this opportunity, and we'll start. Uh, we'll start right here on this couch with Michelle, and uh, just take a op- yeah, the opportunity, just a short, to share kind of who you are, introduce yourself, and a little bit about your family. All right. So we'll start with you. Okay. I'm Michelle Craig, and I'm married to Pastor Chad. We've been married for almost 16 years. We'll celebrate our anniversary in July. We have three awesome kiddos: Caleb, who is nine, and he's just like his daddy. He's precious, very smart. And Alexa, who's just like me. She's seven. She's my little sassy girl. And then there's Alana. She's three. She's our little cracker, and she is most definitely the baby. And we are just so very blessed to um, be chosen of God to be their parents and to just nurture their hearts for him and to be sowing lots of seeds of his grace and his hope in their hearts. So, yeah. Um, I am Meredith Mossgrove. I am Pastor Craig's wife, and we have been married almost 11 years on Saturday, this coming Saturday. Um, but we have three kids also. Knox is eight. Um, Marley is five. She's almost six. And then Harper is 18 months. So our hearts and hands are very full right now also. Um, I am homeschooling Knox. Currently, we just finished up. Um, Excuse me. We just finished up second grade, and we'll be adding Marley. Um, She'll be starting kindergarten in the fall. So, um, yeah. Hi, my name's Caprice Poole. And when you see my picture, you can tell who's the oldest up here. (laughs) We have six children. We have uh, four girls and two boys, three son-in-laws, and we have seven grandchildren. So um, I am blessed with all of these wonderful lives that surround us. And this I'm married to, this man right here, Greg Poole. I'm Claire Wood. We're here visiting. I am Meredith's older sister, and my husband Ryan is an active-duty Army chaplain, and so we serve her. United States military, really wherever God and the Army sends us. Currently, it's very rural, central Louisiana, so it's good to be back in a metropolitan area for a few weeks. There's a Target and a Chick-fil-A here. Yay. Um, We have a super Target. Yes, that's important. We have three children. We've been married um, almost 17 years. Our son, Thomas, is 14. He's in the congregation, and we have two daughters, May 12 and Kate 10, who are in DP Kids this morning. I'm glad to be here. Hey, I'm Kendali Freitas, and uh, I have um, Priscilla, my daughter Priscilla, my firstborn, and John. And uh, we are nowadays the happy family, you can say that. We consider ourselves overcomers because we have been through a lot, lots of bumps on the road, but God. And uh, they, they bring a lot of uh, fun and um, light I would say, uh, to our family and to our relationship. Um, my name is Alyssa Westner. Um, my husband and I moved here in 2016, right after we got married in June. Um, he's in the booth serving. Um, we are teachers at Sprayberry High School um, and foster parents as of last August. Um, we were bored, honestly, <laughs> so decided to... Um, 
embark on this journey of foster care. Um, we have three, sometimes four, sometimes five kids. Um, now we have five. Um, we have eight-year-old and five-year-old girls, um, two, almost two-year-old, uh, 17-month-old, and a two-month-old. I think that's everyone. Uh, <laughs> after a while, you're like, who do we have now? Okay. Um, but we are so excited to be here with y'all um, and talk more about foster care and the journey that the Lord has us on. Yeah, so let's put our hands together and welcome them now they've introduced themselves one more time. So here at Dwelling Place, we believe the discovery or rediscovery in, in some sense in our nation of the gospel is the source of true power in Christianity. We, you've heard it said multiple times here that the gospel, we believe, is not an entry right as we go through once we begin the Christian life, but it's actually the daily source of power, the daily source of renewal. I, I've mentioned it this way that that the gospel is not the diving board off of which we jump into the pool of Christianity. The gospel is the pool itself, that we are in need of the gospel, each of us, each and every day. The gospel not only saves us from our past sin, but it delivers from our current sin, and it empowers us to do what God's asked us to do in this life. And so we're going to start, um, we'll start, I guess, with you, Michelle, this time, and uh, just talk a little bit about the impact that being a mother has made on your relationship with God. Well, I think that... Primarily, it's caused me to understand the importance of my knowledge of God's will and my obedience to his will, because if I obey God with my life, it shows my children that they can trust God with their own life. If they see that I am obedient to a trustworthy father, they see the benefit of that obedience the blessing that comes with that obedience, it stirs in them a desire to serve that same God. I see that so much in the life of Abraham and Isaac. You know, Isaac, the Bible says, was blessed. God said, I will bless you because of your father. That's why the Lord chose to bless Isaac. Then Isaac became the richest, most powerful man in town because he then walked the same path that his father walked. And as a mother, there is nothing I want more for my children than for them to walk the path God has designed for them. And I will deter them from doing that if I do not surrender my life to the journey that God has for me. If I refuse to follow him, to obey him, I can limit what God can do in the life of my children, so I choose obedience for them. So, Kendali, the impact the faith of your children has made on your relationship with God. Um, my children's faith caused me to realize that every time that we obey God, every time that we choose to live according to his principles, according to his word, and we pray and we uh, enjoy the, the presence of God, that we are gonna reap the rewards of that. And it's, it has been a encouragement for me as a mother. Um, um, I developed something that I called uh, a dynamic between me and God that I called um, draw near. And throughout the years, I, I threw myself into the Holy Scriptures, into the Word of God, and now to see the same thing being reflected on my children, the way that they uh, care and they treasure the Word of God, and the way that they fear God, this is rewarding for me. Yeah. I don't think I mentioned this in the first gathering. Before Meredith and I moved here, we were in Cleveland, Tennessee, and I was doing high school ministry and college ministry, and I was preaching to hundreds of students one night in a college service and the service got done and I got down to the altar and was praying for somebody and a, a girl named Priscilla Freitas came forward and Priscilla was at Lee at the time and I just think it's so cool how I've gotten to now see firsthand the fruit out of your entire family from serving God faithfully in another season of life and uh, I just want to encourage you Priscilla I mean uh, well you too Priscilla but you can Dolly uh, when I consistently hear in our church from multiple women that Ken Dolly's the greatest mother they have ever met. I've heard that from about 10 women within our congregation. So we honor you today. And I know you've been through hell and back, but uh, God is, what, what's 10 more yards, right? God's been faithful to you and very faithful to your family. So uh, I, wanna, I wanna ask Claire, we'll ask Claire. Claire, what is um, the impact that 
uh, being a mother has made on your relationship with God? Well, as I mentioned in the first gathering, um, for me, it has caused me to, uh, as I have aimed to disciple my own kids, it's been a, a reflection of God discipling me as well. Um, it, it forces Motherhood has forced me to examine my own shortcomings and my own sin and my own um, my own failures as um, tools God is using to to work in me, and I can't expect to to discipline my kids and and grow my kids in the Lord unless I'm willing to be pruned and and uh, redeemed by God. Uh, Caprice, we we'll go to you real quick. Um, the impact. Uh, let's say this: How how have you dealt with the issues of faith when your adult kids are not walking with Jesus? So you have adult kids. How have you dealt with the issues of faith when they're not currently walking with Jesus? I've had an incident that has taken place in the past um, couple months that um, really brought me to a place to, um, because it immediately caused me to feel embarrassed and shameful um, because I have a daughter that chose at some point in her life because she served Jesus for a long time and she decided to make some other choices in her life. And it just made me so angry and it upset me so bad. And I realized that <clears throat> the Lord, I, he calls me to be very quiet. He said, do not react to that. Do not say anything. And in doing so, he taught me that he has a purpose and a plan for our children's life and a hope, and, and one that won't harm them. So when we put them in his hands and trust him, um, we're able to walk in a peace and an understanding and not lose our faith and our worship and our praise to him. And he taught me going, I was coming home one day down 285, and he said to me, he said, do not take from her what I've freely given her. And this really disturbed me because I thought, what are we talking about? And he reminded me of the scripture where it says, in this he demonstrated his love while yet we were in sin. He loved us. He died for us. So in that same demonstration, I have to demonstrate my love in Christ Jesus towards her. And so that, that, that what he freely given her was her choice to decide to do what she wants to do, but I am to love her. And he took the love that I had that was angry and mortified, he took it when he told me, don't take away what I've given her and give me a love that was pure. And so I've been able to correspond with her in that love. And so the way I handle it is I, I have realized that God has a plan and a purpose for them. And when he's ready to put me involved, getting me involved in it, then I, I will wait and pray until that point. That's a great, great answer. Praise God. You know, uh, I was telling them in the earlier gathering, if you ask most parents what the most important thing they can do to raise their children in Christ, in other words, raise kids to follow Jesus, there's all kinds of different answers. Some will mention adequate discipline. Some will mention homeschooling. Some will mention put them in a Christian school. Some will mention pray. Some will mention have family devotion. I've had some of my own spiritual mentors and leaders who I've looked up to, and I thought they hung the moon. And then I was so discouraged because I went to a marriage retreat with them and they told me they never led one family devotion in their 18 years of their kid's life. And I'm thinking, you know, and so I've, I've heard all kinds of different answers, okay, what that looks like to raise kids. But one of the things that, at least in my experience, that I find little communicated is the power of personal example. But when we as parents preach what we speak, then we become moral authority in the lives of our kids. But if we don't practice what we preach... They dismiss sometimes the gospel or more authority altogether. I want to ask you, ladies, um, and we'll start, we'll start with you, babe, just practically ways that, even in homeschooling, you're a homeschooling mom, ways that you felt like um, you have uh, intentionally set a good example for our kids. That could be in our marriage. That can be you as a mom specifically for, spe specifically for them. What, what, what comes to mind? Um, well, I guess the first thing that kind of comes to mind is... Um, you know, I read something a long time ago that the two most important things in a child's life is time and touch. And um, we're really big. I know that's not everyone, but we're touchy people. We hug, we kiss, we love, we we hold. Um, but I think that it's been important for Craig and I to model that in our marriage. Um, 
we hug in front of our kids. We kiss in front of our kids. Um, not in an inappropriate way, but, you know, we feel like that that's very important. They need to see that, like, we were before you. Um, and so they, they need to see that, you know, our relationship and our marriage is solid and they can find comfort in knowing that we're good. So then we're all good. Um, so that's something. And um, I guess in homeschool, as far as, you know, that goes, it's just, you know, Craig does a lot of the discipling, I guess, but I kind of like have to bring it back down to like a kid level. Craig like talks really up here (laughs) to the kids, which is great, but I'm like, I'm having to kind of like bring it back down to their level. So homeschool for me has been a neat experience. I taught them transubstantiation this week and propitiation. See what I mean? I had to like break that down. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. So, you know, homeschool for me has been neat because, um, one of the main reasons that I feel like that God's asked us to homeschool is just to be able to kind of nurture our ch- our children's hearts. And I want to be able to tell them things that they need to know at the appropriate time um, that we feel as a family is the appropriate time. So just, um, and I am the first to admit and to say that homeschool is not for everyone. And trust me, I sometimes wish that God wouldn't have asked me to do it because it's very hard. But um God has asked me to do that, and so I don't take that role very lightly, um, and I just try to take those moments to shepherd and disciple their little hearts and minds. Let's go to Alyssa. Uh, The impact the faith of your children has made on your relationship with God, and I know you have some personal stories you want to share um, in this first year of parenting. Yes. Um, I said in the first gathering that we went from zero to three kids overnight, literally. Um, so we, it was like a baptism by fire. We had to figure it out really quick, and it took us a while um, just to learn how not to or to do things and not sleeping and not eating well. But um, something that um, the Lord showed me that began our conversation as a couple of foster care is when we weren't, we were trying to have our own kids and weren't. And it's not that anything was wrong. It's just it hasn't happened yet. Um, And so we said, Lord, like, what can we do in this time? Because we have time and we're able and we're willing to do whatever you want. Um, And so we um, began this journey and the Lord showed me that um, we are to give our lives to his people and that the Lord is with the brokenhearted and his calling for us as a family is to go and to rescue like he rescued us. Um, And so we... Um, died to ourselves, and Lord showed me as well that um, he didn't have to die on the cross, but he said, Father, it's your will, but not mine, and a lot of days, that's my prayer is, Lord, I don't want to do this today, but your will, and I'm going to figure it out, Um, but some stories I want to share with y'all is, first, I want to share um, with our three-year-old we had for eight days, um, and she came to church once, one Sunday, and then the following Sunday, this was her reaction when I told her, we're about to go to DP Kids. Chloe, we're going to go to church tomorrow. Yay! <laughs> That's it. Um, but they're so excited to be in DP Kids, and just wanted to say to you that volunteers, your um, actions and your example um, goes so far beyond what you can even imagine. Um, for a kid who has no concept of who is Jesus and what is real love and what is grace and forgiveness. It's huge. Um, And for our five-year-old now, she was four in this video, um, they came out of an awful situation as well. Like foster kids are either abused, neglected, or abandoned. Um, And they come into care through defects and then they show up at our door. And a lot of times we don't know what their story is. Um, But this is our five-year-old and her reaction um, with her sister. Do you know God is always with us? How do you know that? Uh, like, the teacher taught me in my class. Yeah? Uh, what made you remember that? I just remember it. You just remembered it? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she and her sister came into care, and we 
saw right away that the Lord had already been working on their hearts. And he, the Bible says that um, he hears the cries of his children. And we believe that for these kids that he heard them and he rescued them and he's rescuing their family. Um, and we just get to stand in the gap of that and be a resource and help them in whatever that looks like. Um, but also we got to, I have one more video. Um, we got to see our eight-year-old um, and her walk with the Lord. Um, they had never really been to church. They didn't really know about Jesus or anything. Um, so coming to DP Kids was their first experience. Um, and I asked our eight-year-old um, after she saw a video of baptisms um, if she had been saved because she wanted to get baptized. And she said, Lisa, I prayed that prayer like three weeks ago. It's like, okay, cool. So the Lord was already doing things. Um, and it's not solely on us, but this is a short clip of her baptism, um, and her biological mom was able to be with us as well. So it was a super special moment. Good to have you here. Very good to have you here. I know this is monumental for you. Can you welcome uh, her mother? Come on, just put your hands together. Welcome her mother. Thank you. Would you put your, your nose? With faith, based upon your confession that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, it's now our distinct honor and privilege, even Aaron and Alyssa, to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so it was super cool to see um, how the Lord had already been working in their lives and revealing himself to them, and we just get to be an example and foster that um, relationship for them and model that. Praise the Lord. Yeah, give God praise for that. All right, that's amazing. The issue of fostering, would you just speak uh, just from your personal experience? I serve on several ministerial Christian association boards, and fostering in Cherokee County is monstrous and the need for even adoption. Just share just a little bit of the needs that you know in our area. Um, so foster care we found when we became foster parents is it's not understood. There's a lot of ignorance in it, um, and there's different kinds of fostering and different things that we believe that as believers um, we are called to go out to the broken families and serve. And so there's different ways to do fostering. Um, we are the partnership parents, and so we come alongside the biological parents um, and serve them um, and co-parent. Um, and so those are our kids, but also you could foster to adopt. So if you're wanting to adopt through the system, you get kids that are up for adoption. Um, and then there's also part-time. Um, it's called respite. And if, like, Aaron and I were to go um, on vacation for a weekend and we couldn't bring the kids, um, they would go to a family just for the weekend. Um, but there are so many different ways besides just being a parent because it's not for everyone. Um, it is definitely a calling and something that we um, fought for a little bit, but just said, yes, okay, we'll do it and saying yes and walking and follow the Lord. But um, serving your defects, um, your local county, bringing their defects workers and case workers um, lunch or a snack or giving them a call and serving them. There's so many different ways and organizations to serve, um, like the Hope Center as well um, that Tony and Savannah work at. I go there and I go shop because I get a discount um, for our kids' clothes. Um, there's so many different ways. Yeah, and the need in Cherokee County is monstrous. So um, it's really monstrous. And the reason being is because kids get um, sent to another community. So not only are they getting out of their home kind of of origin, then they find out they got foster parents that send them to Cobb County, that send them to Fulton County, in Cherokee County, the parents are the lowest. And so now you're six years old, you're getting split up from your seven-year-old brother and eight-year-old sister, and you're going to a new school next week. And so the need is really, really great in Cherokee County, and uh, I think it's a great, and it's also the reason why, as Pastor Chad expressed to you, we believe God's asked us to build a, a DP retreat center for so many reasons, but one of the reasons we'll do that in the future is so that parents who are foster parents can have respite. They can go for a weekend, and they can stay for free of charge in our retreat center. So great, great opportunities ahead of us as a community. Uh, I want to ask, uh, let's go to you, Michelle. Um, share some advice uh, or actually just share one of the most rewarding experiences you've had up to this point as a parent. What's one of the most rewarding experiences? Um, hmm. Well, I think, you know, I've had a couple um, that are kind of, maybe some people would find weird that they are rewarding, but so as a mom, I'm not always perfect. And I think you said this in the first gathering, 
but sometimes I hurt my children with wrong attitude or wrong words. And I've had that experience with both Caleb and Alexa to where I've had to come to them in repentance and say, Mom hurt you, and that was wrong, and I don't want to hurt you. And the reward from that is their forgiveness. You know, when they hold me and cry with me and say, Mommy, I love you, and I forgive you, you know, it's amazing, and it's amazing to see the love of God through them um, in those moments of just being open with them and them understanding mommy and daddy are not perfect. We don't pretend to be, um, but we love you, and thank you for loving us in return. Awesome. Kendali, I know one of your hearts and desires as you joined our church here in the last year and a half, you've been so faithful, and your kids, I know Priscilla, while being away at Lee was but John's very involved in DP kids or DP students. You're not DP kids, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> DP student. You're a tall fifth grader, bro. You are a tall fifth grader. But DP students, we love you, John, so much. But uh, I, I want you to just kind of share just a little bit about how you, being a lady of God's word, have immersed yourself in God's word. You've always been from the first conversation I had with you about understanding the role and the importance of God's word. How does that look in your family? How did that look in the, the parenting, the way that you brought God's word into your mothering? Any practical ways or things you would share with moms? Um, I believe as we become mothers, some kind of very extravagant love bursts inside of us. It is divine. And, um, and I would say that um, you feel the heaviness of the responsibility upon we feel up on our shoulders. And we were not meant to deal with this on ourselves. So that's when I went to the Word of God and, um, and sought Him and sought guidance from Him. And uh, one of the things that um, came out to me was that the way that um, we perpetuate God's kingdom, it is in the transferring of faith to our kids. And... This became, uh, I, I became proactive on that. And, and I start doing, um, I start first of all in that time when Priscilla was born, we didn't have, I didn't have a computer. So it was all through books and tapes. And I invest a lot, a lot to learn uh, in how, how to transfer this faith to my kids. And I invest time and I became uh, intentional, very intentional in doing that because I was raised in a Christian family with Christian parents committed to the Lord. They taught me the word of God, but somehow I felt that something was missing. And I believe by the grace of God, he showed me that it, it is a daily thing. It is, first of all, as I said in the first service, being very genuine in your walk and your relationship with God. Our children know, once I heard one pastor saying, uh, your a husband knows if a wife is really Christian. A wife knows if the husband is really Christian. Parents know if their children are really Christian, and children know if their parents are really followers of Jesus Christ. And this is the one that I made, I made my business to, uh, go to God in total repentance and bring all my brokenness before him and surrender before him and let him do in me the job that needed to be done so that I was going to be ready to teach my children the word of God. Praise the Lord. And he's faithful. Awesome, awesome. We're going to ask Claire. Uh, Claire, share some advice for those um, husbands, how they can care for the needs of the mother of their children. So you've got... You got you're you're kind of in a season of life where um, I was just surprised because she was staying at her house and her kids just not my life. She said, "Y'all go get a shower," and she sat down. I'm like, "What? You can sit down during a shower? Like I'm in you know that's a whole different season of life." But just and, tell them. And they do their own laundry too. Yeah, yeah. So. so just how can how can uh, husbands care for the needs of the mother of their children? You know, although our kids are growing in their self sufficiency. Um, 
As it is for most mothers, you still find yourself carrying the emotional heaviness of parenting. And I think one of the ways I feel most loved by Ryan is when he acknowledges that. Um, so much of our lifestyle in the military, uh, a lot of the day-to-day -day work and even the day-to-day -day emotional burden rests on me as kind of the default parent. And I feel loved when he acknowledges um, and sees what I'm doing and offers to care for me by asking about my day, even if it's just for the first few minutes when he walks in the door and sincerely listening to me and looking for opportunities. Michelle mentioned a little in the, the first gathering, looking for opportunities for me to refill my, my tank and refresh and restore my soul, um, whether that's sending me out on an errand or you know just to go have some alone time or... Um, doing extra things around our home um, for the kids, for me, in order to, to lighten that load. And obviously leading our home through his, his Christian example and allowing me to not feel like that's another thing that rests on me, but that's something that he, he is walking in that leadership role and serving the Lord and modeling that for our kids. Very good. Very good. Merritt, let's go to you. One of the most rewarding experiences you've had yet, up to this point as a parent? It's one of the most rewarding experiences. Um, I said in the first gathering, but it's funny because our kids are still little, so some days I just crave a thank you from, from them. Um, and I know like later in life, you know, it's kind of like when they're little, you're sewing all you can and you're not hearing much or it's just mom, 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 you know, over and over and over and you'll kind of reap those rewards later. But um, I think for me, just like seeing the wonder that they're like as they're growing up and uh, maturing a little bit, just seeing the wonder that they have and the, the questions that they're starting to ask and um, the realization of who Christ is um, in their own lives, those are um, some pretty major rewards. And um, it's not by anything that we've done. It's obviously just the the work of the Lord that's working in their hearts. And um, the reward I also see, you know, she was saying that her little kiddos love coming to DP Kids. Well, like Sunday is like their favorite day of the week, and that's so rewarding. Um, and that was something that was very big for us when we had kids. We definitely wanted to be in a place where they were growing, and it wasn't just like, a, oh, we got to go to church kind of thing. It was something that they desired and like looked forward to. And um, so those are just a few yeah, tell, tell the story about Knox when you were driving down Highway 92 getting on 575 when he was sitting in the back seat and he asked you. Oh, okay. So um, this was two years ago. I think we had not lived here very long, so we lived a little closer. But we were leaving Target, of course, Target. Um, <laughs> the yeah. big red ball store. He knew that when he was yeah. two years old. That's a reward when they recognize Target, right? I'm just joking. Um, so anyway, we were leaving Target, and we were headed home. We were getting on the interstate, and I can't remember the exact conversation, but basically he just kind of was like, Mom, I think I want to, like, ask uh, – I don't really remember the whole story. I want to ask the Lord to come into my life or something like that, just kind of out of nowhere. Um, and I was able to lead him to the Lord, and I know that it, that was two years ago, and but – you know, that's not my place to decide if that was actually the moment that he like came to the knowledge of who Christ was, but just that he was aware and he was um, conscious of wanting that in his life was like, I just felt like I was on cloud nine that I was able to be in that moment. Because I feel sometimes um, in our home, Craig, obviously he's the head of our house and he's the main disciple in our home. Um, so sometimes I feel sometimes like the, they're, that dad's like the the hero, which I want him to be. I don't, I'm not lessening that role of his in their life, but for me that he like wanted me to walk that and to say that prayer with him, that was such like a huge like ugh, moment for me as a mom. So yeah, praise the Lord. Um, ask, let's ask you, uh, Alyssa at this point, what's one of the most rewarding experiences you've had? Um, I have two short stories. That's okay. Um, we had a girl um, who's nine who was in a human trafficking ring um, a couple weeks ago, and she was with us for about a month um, before she transferred out of our home. But um, one of the things that we saw is at the beginning when she came into our house, everything was attacking Aaron. Like, he's disgusting, and I don't know how you can love him and all this stuff. Trying to tear us apart, spiritual thing for sure. Um, but... After like a week or so, you could see her walls coming down 
and her starting to open up and smile and starting to wear colors instead of black all the time. And um, it was really cool to see when she left our home, she hugged Aaron and said, I love you and I'm gonna miss you. And it's only by the power of the, of the Lord and Jesus that someone that quick would turn around and healing would happen. Um, and we're so honored to be able to have that and to be able to be those um, hands and feet of Jesus. Um, but also I was gonna say yesterday, um, our eight-year-old gave me a Mother's Day card, and I wish I had a picture of it, but um, it read, thank you so much for giving us a safe home. I know we can always count on you. I was like, it clicked. Like, you're learning something. This is great. Um, but so sweet, and I cried, and we FaceTimed um, Aaron and I's parents and showed their, our moms, and they all cried. And um, It's just really cool that we keep reiterating and keep planting seeds and keep saying this, and then something opens up in a window and it's like, oh, there it is. Okay, you got it. Okay, cool. <laughs> but. Uh, Caprice, parenting with a spouse that is dealing with uh, just not not either at the same pace at which you're pursuing the Lord or they're not believing. They're at least with their actions not showing that they're <laughs> believing right now. Maybe dealing with abuse, substance abuse, maybe far distant, just kind of your personal experience and how you remain faithful even in years that you felt like were very lean. Um. When I gave my heart to the Lord, I remember being in a service to where, and I was at an altar. <clears throat> and you don't want to ever lose your altar. You want to always be able to get to it. And that's how I, one of the things that I did. But during this particular time in my brokenness, um, through the Spirit of the Lord, it was just com compelling um, me in, in a strong way, and I felt like he wanted me to make that commitment to him because it was not a family that was raised in church. We had two parents. They were very broken people, so we came into a broken brokenness, into a marriage, leaning up against one another. And so we needed desperately for God to move in our marriage. And so during that time, I um, found myself making my commitment to the Lord and choosing that if he didn't save the marriage or save my husband, that I was going to serve him um, and that he would be the Lord of my life. He's already Lord, but I had to declare in that moment that he would be the Lord of my life. And I also remember a time when I did feel like giving up, and he reminded me this um, a little while ago during worship, of a moment in time when I went to two spiritual parents that I had, Morris and Dolores Smith. And I remember feeling so overwhelmed and thinking, I can't do this, God. And I remember them beginning to pray for me, and I got down on my knees and right there in front of me was a cross. And I remember touching it. And I remember taking hold of it. And I remember embracing that cross. And I feel like that was a pivotal moment in my life of realizing that I had to pick up my cross, that this was my cross that I was going to have to carry was to believe God for this family. And so in doing so, um, I knew I had to keep the problems and the, and the persecutions short-term and long-term. I had to remember the plan and the purpose and the eternal things that God wanted to give us. And that also during that time, because you can be a woman that's a, that's a mother and she's a woman, and I want to just throw this in really fast to you men. Women produce. You give her... Um, food, she's going to make you a meal. You give her a house, she's going to make you a home. You give her a seed, she produces a child. Whatever you give to her, she's going to produce. So I, it would behoove you to speak life to her and use your tongue for better things to get what you, you want to receive and the fruit of that. Um, and so in doing so, she... She, she's a producer, and she, if you want to know one, sometimes why some things are going not quite the right way, examine the things that you're saying to her. And, um, but in, in walking through all of that, I knew I had to be a woman that produced. And so there's a scripture that says that he is a father to the fatherless and a husband to the husbandless. Not that my husband was not a husband, but there are times in our life our husbands are not our total resource. God is our total resource. And for a woman, for her to receive all that she needs to receive from God, he has to be that extra. 
And so where, God, where we were falling short, God became the more to me. He began to raise me up to be the woman that he wanted me to be and that he called me to be. And so during that time, I had to occupy, you know, and I had to serve him and wait and pray. And in the process of that, I will truly tell you some of the greatest things that I've ever seen in my life were during the most difficult, trying times of my life, in the hardest places of my life. I've seen cancer healed. I've seen sickness healed. I would sow seeds. This is so important. I'm going to take just one more little second. Seeds, planting seeds. The Bible said, be not deceived. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. I prayed for marriages. When I was hurting and broken inside, I would lay hold of someone that was praying for us that needed their spouse. I would lay hold and pray for young people. I would do whatever I could because every day, every seed that you sow, when you cast your bread upon the waters, it's going to come back to you. So it was not a funny thing that happened not too long ago where my husband was baptized right over here because God was rewarding all the times that I was trying to be faithful to him because I failed, but he was the one faithful, but he was holding my hand and walking me down this journey for, you know, for years upon years, trusting and believing him. But God is a faithful God, and I saw him do tremendous things. When we came here, my husband busted this altar right here, and that's when God said, I didn't call you to be beside him. I called you. I didn't call him to be beside you, but you beside him. So that he moved in my life to let go of things, to join. And that song, I, I, you know, the old flame is gone. There's a new fire burning now. And that is one of which that we're walking out of covenant marriage. And I think there's something so important and significant is that the best moments of our life always hurt the most. Yeah. They always do. And hindsight's twenty twenty vision, but uh, you carried that cross, and it ended in a crown, didn't it? Look at that picture. Let's celebrate God's goodness. Greg, we celebrate you, brother. We love you, my man. I want to ask one last question. I want to share just a couple of words of encouragement. Come down here to Kendali. Kendali, what's one of the most uh, rewarding experiences you've had as a parent? One of the most rewarding experiences. Well, looking back to the childhood days, uh, my firstborn, Priscilla, she's six years apart from John, they they used to fight a lot and um and it hurt me when that happened um so i was very intentional about that and going to god and asking some directions i decided that um i would i called tell them that um i called them and i tell them that that day that they were fighting, uh, they would not go to play outside with, because we live in a lived in a neighborhood full of children. They would not go outside to play with friends, and friends were not allowed to come inside. And they asked why, and I said, because you need to learn to get along. And uh, I did this many times. And I, of course, upset them in the beginning, but what I saw it is the faithfulness of God in working their hearts and open their eyes to see each other as their uh, most precious beloved friend. And the friendship of my children, it is the greatest reward for me, of course, after seeing them in the Lord. I want to ask one line. Any, any woman want to share a personal scripture that's been the, your most favorite prized treasure of a verse as, from motherhood? Anything? Anyone? Well, I've got one that was not my prize. It was the hardest, but I did. Get the mic to, over there. I did want to share this today. Oh, let me get the scripture. Let me find it. Because I think this is real pivotal talking about modeling in the home, and it's it's First Peter three and seven. It's one of the hardest scriptures for me because I'm a strong-willed woman. And it says, likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to the knowledge given honor unto the wife as unto the weaker, weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers will not be hindered. Recently, during our baptism and in joining, walking with Greg, 
God showed me there's a model and an order that has to take place in our home. God is not reflecting on women as a weaker vessel. He's saying as. But there is a weakness that we all do have sitting here when we're discussing, when you two were discussing that, there, when you said we're, the, being a mother, it, it's not for us to carry. It's not. Because there is a part of us that breaks in weakness. But when we look at when we are weak, who is strong? Mm-hmm. It's not our husbands. It's God who is our strength. And there is a knowledge that he's talking about for husband. Get the knowledge of your wife. If you want to do a great thing, to just pray and ask God to give you a knowledge about who she is because it's important because he's equipped her with a strength of that unchanging hand, that right righteous arm that carries her. And if you think for one minute she's going to cave, she'll get right back up and she'll go again. She'll get back up and she'll go again. And she'll find her strength in, in the Lord and she will accomplish what she's supposed to do. But that scripture, if we will follow that in submitting to our husbands and letting them lead our homes and let God have the order that needs to take place. Because I failed at this. I failed, we failed as this as parents. Because if it is, if we do live our lives according to God's word and expect the fruit from God's word lived out the way he called it to be, we will see the fruit and our children can be easily engrafted into what they're supposed to do in their life. Would you let these ladies know again how much you appreciate them sharing today? It was awesome, wasn't it? You ladies can go down. Come on, you can do better than that. They did a great job. Come on, let's show them honor. Well, you can be seated. I'm going to ask the band to come. I want to share just three quick points in our closing today. I'll be very brief. But I was in our leadership team meeting a couple weeks ago, and I was sharing extensively on the role of women in leadership. And I shared out of the story of uh, the book of Judges on Deborah. Everybody say Deborah. She was an amazing, amazing lady, amazing leader in God's scripture and God's word. And more than almost any other passage in scripture, Deborah's story, I think, emphasizes a truth to us. And that's a truth that I think a lot of our churches often neglect. And that's this truth that God gives to women every spiritual gift that he gives to men. That God gives to women. And what we want to do, I want to do in this last few moments, just affirm every woman in the room of the call that God has on your life. I think there's a myth, and I know we don't talk about it a lot of times, but there's a myth alive today that that men in our churches should be taught rich, deep, you know, theology while women learn how to match their curtains with pillows or how to be a good housewife or how not to feel sad on rainy days. And a lot of times we don't communicate those type of things. Uh, In fact, I was at a a Christian uh, conference and one very prominent author, Christian author, pointed out that if you attend most Christian women's conferences, they teach you from Ephesians, but they'll only stick to Ephesians 5 because they, they talk about the role of a wife in marriage. But at the risk of stating the obvious, can I tell you the whole book of Ephesians is for every woman? Not just chapter 5. That all of the book of Ephesians is for women. Not just one portion of scripture for women. The whole book is for women. And every chapter of the entire Bible is a book for women that God wants to speak to you. And, and I was, you know, thinking just about how I live with women who have not been shaped to grow up weak, to grow up to be weak, superficial waifs, so to speak. I've got strong women in my life. I've always been around strong women. And we at Dwelling Place, you know, I want you to hear my heart that we want women to be shaped by the Word of God who won't grow up to be weak and superficial. They'll grow up to be all that God's called them to be. Notice I said be, not do all that God's called them to do. The being has to precede the doing. That they would be all that God's called them to be. They would be exactly who God has fashioned them to be. They would walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ for their life. That they would feel empowered. They would feel empowered with what God has asked them to do. Deborah, you look at it, she certainly was. She was a prophet. The Bible says she was the wisest person of all of Israel. People would come to her for godly counsel, Greg. And she led the nation through a time of oppression and war. A woman did. Some people look at the person of Deborah. In fact, I saw it this week. I saw it on Twitter from a pretty prominent Christian author. Said the only reason she led Israel was that there wasn't any real men around to lead. The problem is the Bible didn't say that. The Bible didn't say that it was a shame to Israel for a woman to lead them. No, it says Deborah judged and God led her because God gifted her to do so. 
that God gives to women. So I want to give you three quick thoughts. You ready, women? Number one, I want to make it really clear. God has a calling on your life. Can you say that with me with boldness? Say, God has a calling on my life. That was weak. That wouldn't sound like a good calling. Come on, say, God has a calling on my life. That's not, that's not to sit on the sidelines or make casseroles and have kids. Okay, it's to produce more than that. Okay, you're not simply your husband's wife. You're not simply your children's mother. But the challenge for you is, do you know your calling? Do you specifically know your calling? And then on top of that, have you risen up to obey it? Like Deborah, can I provoke you to get engaged in the fight if you're not engaged in the fight? Get engaged in the fight of what God has for you in this season of life. Number two, you are a leader with spiritual authority. Can say, say that with me. Say, I am a leader with spiritual authority. I know a lot of women who are entirely too dependent on their husbands. Entirely too dependent. They never take any spiritual responsibility. They act like submitting, quote unquote, to their husband means they should never exercise spiritual authority anywhere. This is not true. Deborah, who was married, by the way, here we find a leader of the highest caliber. Deborah was an anointed leader, the wisest and most courageous person in Israel. So listen, ladies, don't hide behind your husband. If God's called you to lead, lead. God's called you to lead in whatever context, lead, influence. And then thirdly, you can do all of this while respecting God's order. You can do all of this while respecting God's order. Let's be a church that throws out a false dichotomy. You know what that false dichotomy is? You don't have to choose between exercising your gifts and obeying God's order. You can do both. You can obey God's order and exercise your gifts. You can exercise how God's fashioned you and created you in His likeness, and He's put gifts and talents and abilities in you. And we need those Debras. We need those godly, strong women to step up and use the gift God has given them. We need more Debras in the church. We need more Debras in the home, speaking courage and life to the kids and to the husband. We need more Debras in ministry, calling us to give and to pray and to go and to sacrifice. We need more Debras in society, women who lead with wisdom, women who lead with courage and would lead with faith. As one great author has said, for some of you women in the room, your greatest contribution to the kingdom is not maybe what you do, but who you raise. Who you raise. And God is calling you as a mother to be faithful in this season, those who desire to be a mother. And we pray, join with you, believing that God provides a spouse and children for His glory, their heritage from the Lord. But regardless of whether you have natural children in here, can we admit, based off of the testimonies today, how important it is for us to demonstrate and express God's mothering nature, His caring nature to the community around us in a spiritual sense. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.